you for listening, but please be advised that I am not an expert in any of the topics I cover. Don't just believe something you hear in a podcast. Use skeptical inquiry to look into things for yourself. Also, I swear, not all the time, but when I get excited or passionate, they just seem to slip out. So listener discretion is advised. situation here in Hawaii earlier this evening. The uh, civil defense calling for an evacuation of all low-lying areas because of a tsunami threat. The sky turns black as giant tornadoes touch down from Nebraska to Texas. Apocalyptic scenes as twisted... Hello, I'm Ruby and this is episode 46 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science, skepticism, environment, wildlife, and ways we as humans can do better overall. Today, my final segment talks about the clergy project. So stay tuned till the end when I explained why I love it and why it's so important. If you've joined me before, thank you so much for returning. If this is your first episode of Living Through Extinction, welcome. I hope you find it both fun and informative. Today I have another skeptical podcast recommendation for you. Cognitive Dissidence is hosted by Tom and Cecil, and yes, the show is named after a logical fallacy. I've heard every episode. I believe they are in the four or five hundreds right now. This one while one of my favorites is definitely not for everyone. The intro contains the statement, it's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome mat. And they hold true to that. The outro is a poem called The Skeptic's Creed. If I recall correctly, Tom wrote it in college or something. It's amazing anyway, I love it. I'm not gonna share the whole thing here because you should go listen to him say it himself. It's at the close of every episode, but it ends with expose your sides, Thrust your hands. Bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. And I just love it. I love all the words. I think it's fun. I love the ending. It's a great poem. And he reads it after every episode. So go take a listen. While Tom and Cecil can be loud and unruly at times, these are good men, allies even. And they stand up for and represent all things good. They humbly acknowledge when they're ignorant on a topic, they apologize and admit it when they get something wrong. I actually have a lot of respect for them, both as people and podcasters. Now, if you're overly sensitive or if you listen without headphones at work, this may not be for you. While I find them completely inoffensive, I can see how the way they talk sarcastically about things at times could be taken out of context in a horrifying way by someone who just catches a clip of it. And if swearing bothers you, it's definitely not for you. But if that's the case, you're missing out. While they may get really angry and yell a lot at times, they're both smart men and their outrage is usually for really good reasons. They cover the most current and crucial issues regarding skepticism and church and state, and lately, of course, the continued attacks on their country's democracy. They cover things like media literacy and they give platforms to disenfranchised people. Years ago, when many more people were ignorant on transgender topics than today, they had someone on to talk openly with them about the challenges that they face. They asked her up front to correct them if they said anything she would cringe at. While they try to be on the right side of these things, they admitted that they're ignorant and they want to do better, so told her not to hold back on any criticism because it was the only way they would learn and do better. That is an amazing attitude for any human being. I've got mad respect for that shit. I should also mention that they have had many successful efforts to raise money for charities over the years. My favorite charity event that they do would probably be offensive to some people, but whatever. They raise incredible amounts of money with it. 
It's a collaboration with the guys from The Scathing Atheist, and it's called Vulgarity for Charity. Even the name is fun, right? It was so popular last time that I believe it took over a year for them to get all the roasts out. They had no idea they would get so many donations and were thrilled, but had a lot of work ahead of them to get through it all. They raised a ton of money for Modest Needs, which if you don't know about, I highly encourage checking them out. Now, the way it works. Someone who donates sends a picture, along with a description of shitty behavior at times, or a description of a person, animal, thing, place, whatever. And one of the guys will roast your request in the most vile way possible. Sounds weird, right? But it took off like a fucking wildfire and made them so much money. Made their charity so much money. Sorry. So, while not for the faint of heart, Tom and Cecil are a ton of fun, incredibly informative, and all-around good people. So check them out and learn to be skeptical, damn it. Space litter. Orbiting debris. 100 years ago, nobody would have ever thought of this as a future problem. But here we are today with more than 27,000 cataloged objects sipping around the planet. There are teeny tiny objects such as paint chips, and then there are much larger objects such as spent rocket stages. The International Space Station is a massive endeavor that should be protected, and there are also satellites that affect our everyday lives that nobody wants to see go down. We aren't just talking about cable TV. We're talking about GPS systems, communication systems, weather tracking systems, things we count on today. A Japanese company called Astroscale Inc. has completed its first of four major in-space tests for what people are calling a space sweeper. If they stay on schedule, they could be delivering the world's first garbage trucks for space in 2024, finally providing a way to get rid of defunct satellites. What gets me is how expensive this must be. Reason being, the sweeper, for no better term, is destroyed along with the object or objects it collects. Sweepers will drag satellites which are no longer functioning lower and lower until they both reach the oxygen-rich atmosphere at lower Earth orbits. Both are burnt up completely before anything can reach the Earth's surface. The cost of this will hopefully become a part of putting something up there to begin with. You know how cans have levies on them that we pay up front? A company would have to pay the disposal fee of their product before it could be sent out into orbit. That's moving forward, however. There's still the issue of everything that is up there right now, right? And there are some things, unfortunately, that these sweepers will not work on. There's these rocket boosters which were jettisoned out in the late 1900s, and they are enormous. A whopping 10 metric tons each. So even if they were able to collect them and drag them to lower orbit with this method that they're using for other things right now, there's just too much mass to them. They would not likely burn up upon entry and that could be really dangerous. So we're going to need new ideas for these monsters. But hey, we never had any way of getting rid of any of the space debris before, right? So this is still great progress. Coronavirus antibodies have been found in white-tailed deer in the U.S. Between January and March of this year, 385 of the species from four states were tested. Michigan, Illinois, New York, and Pennsylvania. 40% tested positive. That's a pretty big number. Deer are only the second known species to possibly serve as a wild reservoir, mink being the first. 
When a virus stays within a small group of infected animals, it creates a reservoir from the virus where it can circulate, mutate, and evolve in the wild away from human populations. The longer a reservoir like this is allowed to go on, the greater a chance that the virus will eventually evolve to a point where it can jump species. Mutations could eventually lead to a new strain that could affect humans and reemerge after the current pandemic is over. Sorry for that scary thought, but it is a possible reality in our future. I've got a pretty short one for you today. A few points about deodorants. Most are bad. The end. Just kidding. It's not that short. But most are bad. Like all manufactured products, there's shipping and manufacturing emissions. But with deodorants, many of the ingredients are petrochemicals, so rooted in crude oil. And most also contain aluminum. While some are less harmful than others, every stick, ball, and spray is leaving its mark out there. One of the main ingredients of most deodorants is an antibacterial chemical called triclosan? Triclosan. Yeah, we'll go with that. Triclosan reduces bacterial contamination, which aids in preventing body odor. It's toxic to algae and sits on water surfaces, threatening some aquatic organisms. I think it's obvious how it gets there, right? Most deodorants are eventually washed off in the shower, and it all goes down the drain and into our waterways. Oh, and important note, triclosan cannot be filtered out during wastewater management. One of the ingredients that have to be acquired before production can begin with most deodorants is aluminum, the procuring of which has severe environmental effects. The bauxite ore is collected in open pit mining where huge areas of land are bulldozed. This clear-cutting can change the ecology of an area for multiple generations, effectively removing all biodiversity. And the refining process is very resource-intensive, using plenty of water as well as causing water pollution. The refining is a chemical process that results in a thick chalk-like dust. Through electrolysis and more chemical reactions combined with high heat, the dust is dissolved, melted, and passed through a current this current causes it to lose any oxygen bound to it, turning it into pure molten aluminum. From this process, two tons of alumina powder become one ton of aluminum. The good news about aluminum is that 75% of all aluminum ever produced in the U.S. is still in use today. That's how well it can be and is recycled. If not contaminated, aluminum is a product that can actually be recycled indefinitely. The worst, according to people who study these things, are the deodorant sprays. Volatile organic compounds have come up more than once on the show in the past, and that is what these sprays are releasing. VOCs are bad. They are the result of chemicals released into the air which react with ozone gases, forming dangerous pollutants, including particulate matter and formaldehyde, and are key components of smog. The petrochemical smog is very bad for both us and the environment. The particulate matter can consist of ash, nitrogen, sulfur, and carbon, all in the air being breathed. Indoors, VOCs can cause headaches, lung irritation, nervous system damage, and some types of cancer. The worst thing about pretty much all aerosol products? It is absolutely not necessary for any of them to be in aerosol form. But I guess as long as there's a demand, we won't be seeing them go anywhere anytime soon. Today there are different options to try to do better. While some lucky people don't need it, many of us can't go without deodorant in civilized society. Some people swear by baking soda. 
As usual, if you can find a product manufactured and packaged close to home, you're eliminating a ton of travel emissions. As usual, check the ingredients. Check if the packaging is recyclable, or the product container itself for that matter. More products are making an effort to use recyclable packaging materials and eco-friendly ingredients, but still not many when compared to traditional deodorants. And a lot of them are unfortunately more expensive right now, which may put them out of the running completely for some people. I say go for these products if you're able to, but if it interferes with the amount of food you can put on your table, then it should not be expected of you. Remember that it's not always easy or even possible for every person to make the changes which may have been easy for you or me. But the more people who consider these things and do do what they can, where they can, hey, the better. In case there are folks out there who are not aware of them, I would like to talk a little bit about the Clergy Project. They've done so much good for so many people and are providing services which are absolutely necessary for certain people coming out of religion. Maybe you're not even aware of the problem, which is facing more clergymen of more religions every year. Imagine for a moment being an individual who was raised in a Christian school, then went to a Christian college and to seminary. They finally become a priest or pastor and their career track is set. Then one day, Maybe months, maybe years, maybe decades later, one day they realize that none of it is true. They have their moment of awakening, and though they fight it as long as they can and push this realization back in their minds as best as they can, it's really fucking hard to unrealize something. Many go through the anxiety of living a lie for years after their initial realizations because they don't know what to do. This has been their entire life since grade school. They have no education outside biblical-based studies. They have no life skills outside preaching. They have no job experience. Imagine finding yourself in your 40s with zero job experience and zero to little knowledge of the world outside your religion. What do they do? Those who come to the conclusion that what they are preaching is a lie. What would you do? Would you keep faking it for the rest of your life? Or would you eventually have to be honest and authentic about who you are? That's where the clergy project comes in. It doesn't matter what religion it is. It can be Christianity, Buddhism, Scientology, any of them. The clergy project will be there for their leaders when they come out. They do not exist to convert anyone. That's not what they're about. They're there to help people who find their way out on their own. Or sometimes who are in the process of trying to find their way out on their own but specifically for those whose entire lives have circled completely around something that they can no longer support. Some of the things they assist with are based around career development and subsidized counseling sessions through the Secular Therapy Project, which I will also have to do a segment on one day. They can also help someone figure out when would be the best time to come out to their spouse, friends, family, and congregation, and how to go about it. Many people who come to the Clergy Project have not come out yet, but they are living a lie and looking for help on how and when to make their break. The Clergy Project takes security and privacy extremely seriously. They provide a safe and secure online community of forms composed entirely of religious leaders who no longer hold to supernatural beliefs. How many could there be, you may wonder? Well, the community itself currently consists of more than 1,000 former clergy. These are the brave ones who dare to be honest with themselves and those around them. It's likely a small percentage of the total. Coming out is not easy, but especially for these individuals. 
I see the clergy project as a humanist-based entity. They are there to assist and do good for other human beings. Definitely a humanist ideals type of endeavor. And if you or someone you know may need the clergy project, you should give them a Google because they're out there and they are ready to help. Thank you for listening. May your health and sanity be replenished daily. Thank you to Jason Martin for composing the intro-outro of the show, and thank you to Kathy Rader and Paul Palmer for their musical contributions on the violin and guitar. I will be back here in two weeks for episode 47 of Living Through Extinction. Ooh, 50's getting close now. The governor of Missouri declared a state of emergency. Very serious situation here in Hawaii. Earlier this evening, the uh, civil defense calling for an evacuation of all low-lying areas because of a tsunami threat. The sky turns black as giant tornadoes touch down. From Nebraska to Texas, apocalyptic scenes as twisters.